Thank you, choir, for reminding us how we are raised. It is God who raises us up. Thank you, choir. Let us greet one another, saying whatever you would like to do.
Let us pray. Almighty God, as we stand in awe of your goodness and mercy today, we invite you to be present among us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we declare that we love you. Thank you for that you have made the way of love known to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would reveal this great love to us today as we gather to worship. Lead us by your Spirit to praise you. May our hearts overflow with thanksgiving and our mouths proclaim your everlasting greatness. In the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Together we confess our sins. Almighty and most merciful God, we are thankful that your mercy is higher than the heavens, wider than our wanderings, deeper than all our sin. Forgive our careless attitudes toward your purposes, our refusal to relive the sufferings of others, our envy of those who have more than we have, our obsession with creating a life of constant pleasure, our indifference to the treasures of heaven, our neglect of your wise and gracious law. Help us to change our way of life so that we may desire what is good, love what you love, and to do what you command, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Lord enrich you with his grace and nourish you with his blessing. The Lord defend you in trouble and keep you from all evil. The Lord accept our prayers and absolve us from our offenses for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Together we say, Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, I know that uh, today there's, uh, it's a big event today. And uh, I just want to remind you all to be sure to watch Bill Murray in the Groundhog's Day movie this afternoon. And I hope you totally enjoy that. The rest of you will probably be watching some show with a bunch of commercials. So, uh, From the Old Testament reading this morning, it's from Micah 6. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, 
answered him. And what happened in Shittim to Gagal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of the Lord. Please read with me the prayer of the day. Holy God, you confound us in giving your kingdom the holy and pure of heart. Give us such a hunger, thirst for justice, and perseverance in striving for peace, that in our words and deeds the world may see Jesus Christ, our Savior and Amen. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians 1. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to, the, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to the Gentiles. But to, to, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your call, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might be, might be boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and our sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boast, boast of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ken, about uh, 6.30 or 7, I'll give you a call and let you know who won the game. Esther, can you come up here, please? And I, Kevin, 
Will your son come up too? Oh. Will you come up? Because it's, it's going to be worth your time today. Thank you. Any, you can sit down here. I'm going to sit. Anybody else want to come up? It'd be worth your time. Uh, Is there treats? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Esther. Good morning. You don't count, Jim. <laughs> I got. I don't know your name. Darren? Yeah. Good morning, Darren. We're all children of God. We are all children of God. Some big ones, some little ones. Good morning to each one of you. We have somebody in our church who's thinking about you, even though she isn't here this morning. I think she thinks about the younger children in our church a lot. Because when someone visited her this week, she gave her something to give to me to give to you. That's a pretty good deal, huh? When these things appeared on my desk, I thought somebody maybe gave them to me. They didn't tell me who put these things on my desk. But I learned this morning that it wasn't for me, but it's for you. Somebody loves you whom you don't even know. Just like we don't know Jesus like we know each other, but we know that he loves us. And so I just want to say once again, when I come to church, the one thing I want to know when I leave the church is that somebody loves me who may not be here, but most of all, that Jesus loves me. And so, let's say a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the people who love us, and especially for you. Amen. Esther, could you take something there? Uh, there. There. That's for you. There and that's for you. Okay. You may return to your seats. Let us stand for the reading of the gospel. Together we read, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so men persecuted prophets who were before you. The word of our Lord. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. From the words of the prophet Micah, with what Shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness 
and to walk humbly with your God. These are thy holy words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in thy truth, for thy word is eternal truth. Amen. As I begin this sermon, I don't know where to begin. It's Monday morning, like every week when I begin my sermon. Our nation is mourning a helicopter crash, ending the lives of three promising 13-year-old basketball players, an American icon, Kobe Bryant, two mothers and another dad, another woman basketball coach and the pilot, nine in all. In retrospect, they made a mistake, not unlike what we sometimes do. I've taken unnecessarily unnecessary risks fishing big water. You're nodding, Cal. You've seen me do that. When wisdom was set aside, but have always luckily returned to port. Art Johnson a seasoned, wily, and wise commercial fisherman, and I, one of my members, once crossed the flat, laid-down, dangerous Columbia River bar. The bite was on, our herring snatched when barely hitting the water, and with a no-limit parameter based upon his commercial license, we were there to fill his boat, and for two hours it was fish on, fish off, fish on, fish on. Out of the blue, Art abruptly said, pull him in, we're going in, we're done. I objected and said, Art, why? Art then told me these words, which I've never forgotten. Art always goes out, and art always comes in, pointing westward to the building up of storm clouds. Art was a wise seasoned old-timer on the ocean who respected the weather and what can be a treacherous Columbia River bar. My heart goes out to everyone affected by that helicopter crash that if wisdom had prevailed, would never have happened. They needed an art 
for their pilot. But we all must make mistakes, don't we, in the passion of the moment. I do, and I reckon maybe you do. We're mortals. We make mistakes. We're only humans. I invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer, remembering the five families mourning the loss of their loved ones. Let us pray. As I begin writing this sermon, I don't know where to begin. Living during what will be remembered as an historic week in our beloved Republic, our United States of America. What will happen, I asked myself last Monday, what will happen this week? What will tomorrow bring and the days thereafter with new revelations as recent as yesterday, Sunday? What will next Sunday be like? Whatever happens, what will I have to say? And how shall I say it? Applying the scriptures to what's happening to our republic, embroiled in political conflict. As I begin my Monday morning, I am so pleased to discover that the Old Testament text for next Sunday is the very text that if it were up for me to choose that I would have chosen. The prophet Micah follows in the line of other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, etc., etc. He reminds the Israel people of their history and we've been reminded of ours, a democratic nation. Disappointed with their forgetfulness, Israel's, of their deliverance from Egypt and many other deliverances akin to our deliverance from a dictatorial English king. Micah lays before them both their political and moral decay, but mostly ignores the political situation, choosing rather to mainly focus upon their morality, 
or lack of morality, calling them to repentance for their sins and promising hope for them if they do. Micah asks them, what's the process? What's the established historical pattern for making amends for your sins? What's your history, Israel? Micah asks, if you are repentant, how do you go about making amends for your sins? How, Israel, historically, have you appeased the God whom you have disappointed? In Micah's words, with what shall we come before the Lord and bow ourselves before God on high? Micah asks, with what shall you come? What have you done in your past, Israel? What is your history? Sacrificing a year-old calf as a burnt offering? Or bringing thousands of rams? Or flasks of oil for your lamps? Or even your firstborn recalling for them the story of Abraham and Isaac, citing their history of burnt offerings, Micah unveils a better way of appeasing the God whom they have disappointed. Micah revealed what God really wants from them, Micah unwraps something radically new, something radically different from their former ways. Micah suggests a personal offering, not stuff as in the past, but a life-changing offering saying, God wants you. God wants your heart. God wants you to change your heart. Not stuff, not stuff, but your heart. A whole new concept, a whole new way. In Micah's words, God has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Do justice. Do acts of loving kindness. Walk humbly among the nations. This is Monday, as I write. What's going to happen this week? Is what I write today going to fit on Sunday? Is God's word on Monday applicable to our struggling nation 
on Sunday? Is God's word timeless? Micah addresses the issue that is not stuff. Their practice of bringing burnt offerings that God wants. God wants you to give him your heart and making it clear not their old heart but a new one, a changed one, a softened one. His message was so simple, yet not simple at all. Michael admonishes them, do what you know in your heart is right. Do justice. Do justice. Be fair. Be honest. Be non-judgmental. Let integrity govern your life. Do what you know in your heart is right. Do acts of loving kindness, Micah says. Be a friend. Be respectful of others. Call people by their name. Never, never put anyone down. Do, Micah says, what you know in your heart is right. Walk humbly. Put others first. Listen. Be patient. Be accepting. Don't rush to the front of the line. It's difficult for me not to think about our nation. As I sit here on Monday morning reading this text, not knowing what this week is going to bring and whether Micah's words and my words will have any meaning on Sunday and if God's word is timeless. I can't help but think of what's happening today in D.C. and what will happen as we traverse through a most unusual troubled time in the history of our nation. And it's not that I haven't been there before. Four unthinkable assassinations. JFK, his brother Robert, Martin Luther King, John Lennon, for you music people, I've included you, <laughs> and the attempt on Ronald Reagan. I've been in the pulpit during difficult times, and you've been in the pew, and together we have sought God's word for disturbing times, for meaning, for direction, for comfort and consolation. I've had to preach sermons 
during difficult times. Vietnam. Mama Rosa Parks. Abortion. Gay rights. 9-11. I've been in the pulpit and you've been in the pew during difficult times seeking applicable words from the scriptures for meaning, direction, comfort, and consolation. I try my hardest. I try my hardest to be nonpartisan, both in and out of the pulpit, earnestly trying to view the happenings in the world biblically and theologically, as God requires us to do, seeking God's word for the moment. So on this Monday morning, realizing that lots of things are going to happen this coming week, I can't help but ask myself, where at the end of the week will I be, biblically and theologically? Pastors in our Lutheran tradition are ordained to perform two functions which perhaps are never much talked about or thought about. I, with my Lutheran colleagues this Sunday morning, am called to be both a prophet and a priest. Two functions into which we are ordained as Lutheran pastors, the prophetic function and the priestly function, which perhaps the laity in the Lutheran church have never much thought about because we pastors don't name our work using those words. We just do it and never name ourselves as prophets and priests. As a prophet, in the line of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Ezekiel, Micah, you name them, my foremost role as a prophet is not to predict the future as a word is commonly misunderstood, but rather to simply tell it like it is. And this is where it gets so tricky for us pastors. If one tells it like it is, it's difficult to avoid the inborn nature in all of us that we are by nature political creatures. And telling it like it is is oftentimes being called to speak biblically, to interpret theologically what's happening in our lives, which can be misunderstood, which can be misunderstood as speaking politically. Let me say that again, because it's so important for you to understand telling it like it is is 
oftentimes being called to speak biblically and theologically, which can be misunderstood as speaking politically. My second function is priestly. In the line of John the Baptist, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, Andrew, and the whole smear of those disciples who began this whole thing, my role is to proclaim the gospel. As we heard last Sunday, not with eloquent wisdom, but plainly and simply baptizing and communing, teaching that Jesus loves us. This I know. If Jesus had lived his life being only a priest, ignoring his role as a prophet, it is unlikely that he would have been rejected in his own city and by his own people who brought him before Pontius Pilate, but who could find no fault in him and released him to the religious leaders of the day, the chief priests and the scribes who hung him on a cross to die. Let me be your prophet today, telling it like it is. We're in a mess. We're in a mess. A divided nation. Neither party angelic. Both reprimanded by Chief Justice Roberts. Let me be your prophet today. If things don't change, we are a vulnerable republic, a target for autocrats desiring to undo 240 or 30-some years of democracy. Let me be your prophet today giving hope for a cure to our ingrown cancer that today on Monday, beginning what will be remembered as a historic week, that our nation will lay aside burnt offerings and follow Micah's telling it like it is, that it's our hearts, that it's our hearts and not our stuff that God requires of us to do justice, to be fair, to be honest, to be non-judgmental, to let integrity control our lives. Do what we know in our hearts is right. Do acts of loving kindness as was done by one of our members for our little kids. Be a friend. Be respectful. Call people by their name. 
never, never put anyone down. Do what you know is right in your heart. Walk humbly. Put others first. Listen. Be patient. Be accepting. Don't rush to the front of the line. On this Monday, I hope and pray that our president and that our Congress together can figure out a way to work it out, working together, healing our nation of its current divisiveness and unrest. And do so, and do so by seeking justice, by seeking kindness, and by seeking to walk humbly in our global society. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are at your mercy. Help us. Help us. I pray. Amen.
seated and let us pray. Lord, make us instruments of your peace, that where there is hatred, let us so love. Lord, in your mercy, where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, the truth. Lord, in your mercy. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Lord, in your mercy. Where there is darkness, let there be light. And where there is sadness, let there be joy. Lord, in your mercy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. Lord, in your mercy. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, in your mercy. And now hear the shared prayers of your children. Lord, in your mercy, let us continue our worship by receiving the morning offering.
On the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. He took also the cup, and he blessed it. And he said, This cup is a New Testament in my blood, shed for you and for everyone who participates for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this, he said, and do it often, remembering me. Believing that Jesus is truly present in this bread and in this wine, and believing that he is your Lord and your Savior, I invite you to come to the feast that he has prepared for you and for me. Help us grasp the heights 
of your plans for us truths unchanged since the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace we'll stand on your promises and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us speak O Lord till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory Announcements. Good morning. On behalf of Parish Ed, we'd just like to bring your attention to the bulletin. On Sunday, February 16th, we're going to have a guest speaker, um, a co-worker of mine, uh, Lisa Mentasana. She's the homeless liaison from Beaverton School District. And her talk is uh, between services will be what is being done for our homeless youth and families in Beaverton? This is an opportunity for our church to reach out. She speaks to churches often, and she was very much looking forward to coming here. Uh, we're encouraging you, if you can stay um, after first service or come early if you normally go to second service, to help us. There's many 
uh, resources and programs. SOV has participated in many of these to help our children in our school district. You may be a, a parent or a grandchild or have a, a neighbor whose children are in our school district. And unfortunately, Beaverton is the number one district in Oregon with the highest homeless population. And people are amazed by that statistic. So especially given that um, we are basically, this has been a, a middle class um, environment for such a long time. So please come. Um, and on Sunday, um, February 23rd, Pastor Al and I will be also sharing uh, with you um, that they will know we are Christians by our love. Love is our theme for, Febu for February. And what does that mean? So we will talk a little bit about that between services, and we encourage you to come. Thank you. I just want to highlight our uh, All Church Luncheon this Thursday at Elmer's at noon. So please come and join us. It's a fun group, and it's a good way for us to get better acquainted with one another. So this Thursday at noon at Elmer's. Thank you. Hope. It's birthday Sunday. Before that, Dick and Charlene, you have some strange people sitting there on the other end of the <laughs> line there. They look, they look foreigners to me. <laughs> foreigners, huh? <coughs> Who are they, Dick and Charlene? It's uh, my son's daughter and son-in-law and my son-in-law's sister, Lois, and I, Yeah, we accept anybody here. Notice a table in the back with all the stuff on it. Uh, not only does God ask of us to give us our hearts, give him his, our hearts, but when we give him our hearts, we also then give stuff in response to his grace. And this is one of the ways that our church, through the uh, fellowship, not the fellowship committee, but the social concerns committee, you'll see all the people working in the area and inside your bulletin, a way of we can help those less fortunate than we. So thank you for those who have, and there's still opportunity if you'd like to join. Happy birthday to staff, Reed, Bruce Gilbertson, Gary. Come on up here, Gary. Divine, Kevin, Nathan. Not, no, you're not going to come up? Come on. What? We're only couple. Shane, Skylar, Marion, she can't. Dave, it's a men's, it's a men's month, I guess. Mitch, Kathy, and Verna. Happy. The last line is, may Jesus bless you. Let's try that last line again. May Jesus bless you. Okay. 
Let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine the light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Amen.